Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. Cruise the Mediterranean with your Weekly Standard favorites like Fred Barnes, Bill Crystal, and Steve Hayes. Visit TWS Cruise, the Weekly Standard Cruise, TWSCruise.com for more information. Uh, and now we welcome to the uh, podcast one of the people who will be on that cruise with you, Fred Barnes. Fred, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Michael. So uh, the President of the United States says I don't I shouldn't have to call the Russians to get them to do the right thing. I get a sense that even if he did call Vladimir Putin wouldn't care what the president wanted him to do. Oh, I think he would care. I think Putin likes to uh uh snub his nose uh you know and right. tell Obama no. I mean, uh, he seems to enjoy it and Obama's such a patsy, uh he falls for it and and thinks it's uh well, gee, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I wasn't nice enough to Putin and you know, it's not a way to run foreign policy. Uh, you know, there is, there is uh, remember uh, Leo DeRocher, the famous baseball manager, his statement about nice guys finish last. Right. Well, it may not be true in sports, uh, but it is true in foreign policy. Uh, and Obama seems to think, remember in the beginning, Michael, he thought that the reason the Iranians were building nuclear weapons and we didn't get along with the Russians and, and so on and all these other countries and the entire Muslim world and so on is that, President George W. Bush wasn't nice enough to them, and that's why they had, were critical of the United States and didn't go, want to go along with anything that was uh, helpful to American foreign policy. Well, look, we know now, after four and a half years, that Obama was entirely wrong. I mean, everybody knows he was wrong, except for President Obama. He still thinks that, gee, if I'm nice enough, uh, boy, that uh, Vladimir Putin, he'll, uh, he'll do what we think he ought to do. And it's, it, uh, look, and, and now we have now, the problem is, under Obama, the nice guy who's finishing last is the United States of America. Yeah, uh, Fred, I, I understand the world is a tough place, and I get it that you know that there's no, no longer a single superpower the way there was at one time. But it's one thing to shove around the president if you're China or if you're Russia. But Ecuador? We can't even get Ecuador to back down? This is embarrassing. Well, it is pathetic uh, uh, that Ecuador, a country that is... Uh, sort of the, uh, you know, follows along Venezuela, and, and Venezuela follows Cuba mm. as being anti-American. And the truth is, knowing that the United States will not do anything punitive toward Ecuador, the Ecuadorian government uh, uh, thinks it's fun to uh, really thumb its <laughs> nose at the United States. I mean, look, if the big guys can do it, the little guys can too, and, uh, and get away with it. Uh, you know, we had a conversation on my radio show up in Boston, Fred, where we were wondering about the, the meme, the idea that President Obama was part of the Chicago, you know, political thugs with, with the Rom father. And my listeners <clears throat> concluded that if he did have a Chicago mob name, the president's mob name would be Skinny Jeans. And this is not good. And the same <laughs> is true in Washington, where apparently the will of the president on issues like immigration uh, 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 is just ir irrelevant. It, uh, they are irrelevant, you know, and here we've had one of the most important weeks uh, in Washington, in my memory, with uh, the, the immigration reform bill passing the Senate and all these Supreme Court decisions and the president uh, actually doing one thing, and that is saying I'm going to have this really uh, draconian uh, climate change agenda. And so where's the president now? He's in Africa. Uh, you know, he spent when the when the whole there's this whole student loan uh, a fiasco right. in the Senate where there are four separate uh, bills. One of them is the president's, and it needs to be worked out by next Monday, supposedly. And and the idea is to keep the rate on college student loans at 3.4 percent rather than doubling. Well, look, you have these four different uh, bills, 
And in, there were a couple of Republican bills, one of them passed the House. Who would be the person, logically, Michael, to step in and say, look, I'm going to resolve this thing, let's all get together and resolve this? That would be the President of the United States. Again, he's in Africa, so it's, he's not uh, uh, solving that problem. It may be a small one, but it's important uh, as an issue. And, and, of course, the President and some Democrats would like there uh, uh, to be an impasse on this student loan question and have the student loan interest rate go up and then use that against Republicans right. unfairly, of course, uh, uh, in the 2014 midterm election. Well, the theory from the White House seems to be if we're nowhere around the problem, then we won't be blamed for there being a problem, as opposed to, you know, what would happen, say, if you call the police department and the cops don't show up, you call the fire department and the fire, the mm -hmm. firefighters doesn't show up. We've got these political, not crises, but serious challenges and the number one politician in the country just doesn't show up. Are the mainstream media ever going to notice this big, empty chair at the end of the table, Fred? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> probably not. I mean, they occasionally do, but not now. I mean, there's so many things that would normally, in the American system, and certainly in the American system in the last hundred years, where we've had strong presidents, and remember, who are the ones who have always wanted a strong president, uh, it's been liberals. It's been liberal Democrats. You know, they love FDR and everything he did. And, LBJ. Uh, and, and LBJ, those are the two big stars uh, in, in the Democratic liberal pantheon of presidents. And, and, here, and, and they seem to have forgotten that, uh, that Obama... Uh, claims to follow in that tradition, but but certainly doesn't. Uh, he's he's famous for punting rather than right. uh, actually taking on issues when a president is needed. And I think you know even as conservatives, uh, we want a president who can step in when a president is needed. We may not agree with him, but but that's what the office requires. And and the president doesn't uh, step in, and and the press ignores it. Uh, the uh, motto of the Obama presidency might be reduced when it's all over to I shouldn't have to, that petulant moment when he said <laughs> I shouldn't have to call, I shouldn't have to. There are all kinds of things you might think you shouldn't have to do. You might think you mm -hmm. shouldn't have to put forward your own stimulus program as opposed to letting the Democrats in Congress take it over. You shouldn't mm -hmm. have to put together your own health care reform as opposed to letting the Democrats, the Congress just do it. It seems as, as though this president is bothered by the idea that being president means actually having to show up and do something as opposed to what? Cutting ribbons and greeting NBA stars and, I, I don't know, having ice cream with your kids? Yeah, well, you know, there is a downside, however, uh, for the president when he does show up on the immigration issue. I mean, the Democrats and, and those favoring the Gang of Eight bill mm -hmm. that passed the Senate uh, on immigration reform don't want the president to be seen anywhere. You know, he was praised for for great leadership by Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, the senator, uh, for being almost invisible. Uh, <laughs> I'd never heard of this before. I don't know where, where a president's ever been been praised for being invisible, but uh, uh, it happened in this case. And the reason is that when the president steps in on immigration reform and says everything, mm -hmm. he tends to alienate Republicans and conservatives and even some Democrats who, whose votes are needed to pass an immigration reform bill. So, so basically the president's been muzzled on this, and, and I'll have to say that's smart. And, and, but as you were suggesting, Michael, it fits with the president's type of, uh, of the way he carries out his office. You know, if I don't have to do anything, uh, if I'm not absolutely required, if I'm not shamed into doing something, well, I'm going to go shoot baskets. Right. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I remember we were told 
that we would have leadership from behind. I just didn't know it was going to be mm. way, way, way behind. <laughs> so I want to ask you about immigration. Right. Well, we've got the uh, the immigration issue up. Uh, so the Senate gets 68 votes, not the 70 they wanted, but still 68 mm-hmm. votes, a lot of votes. You get a lot of people crossing uh, across from the Republican side to support it. Does this move forward? Or as your uh, colleague Bill Crystal said in the podcast uh, we just did the other day, are the Republicans in the House going to be smart enough to stay away, to simply say, we're going to go on this track with our uh, uh, immigration reform bill, and we're not even going to engage this Senate mess that they've sent to us? Yeah, no, I think... Uh uh, they're going to do, uh, Republicans in the House are, are going to do what Bill suggests, and they're, gonna, they're not going to take up the Senate bill. They're going to draft their own bill. And if, they're, if after that there's a conference between the Senate and the House, well, then they'll have to work out an agreement. But the, uh, uh, and, that, and that, look, that's what the House needs to do. Uh, Republicans need to do if they're going to, you know, they're going to have to get at least, as, as Speaker Boehner has said, at least a majority of Republicans are, are going to have to be for an immigration reform bill, or he's not going to bring it to the floor. Um, that is an old rule of speakers in the past. It was certainly followed by Tip O'Neill and others. Anyway, um, it's going to be hard to come up with a bill uh, that will get a majority of the Republicans. So we'll see. But the, uh, certainly Republicans are doing the, uh, the right thing and, and, and producing their own bill. Look, there's not, it's not as if, look, there'll be a lot in the media and, uh, from people complaining about that, how dare they do this. But uh, Look, this is what the House does. It's not the Senate. Uh, they're different. And, and the truth is, even if there had been 75 or 80 senators voting for the immigration reform bill, wouldn't have had any impact on the House. Uh, has it had an impact on Marco Rubio and his prospects as a Republican nominee in 2016? Well, I think at the moment, uh, this has hurt them because it, it seems like a majority of Republicans, certainly in, the, in Congress, are against immigration reform. My own view is that being uh, someone who favors it, and ultimately a, a path to citizenship that if a bill passes that actually does uh, really solidify strong security at the border and then enforcement of, of laws against illegal immigrants in the United States uh, being hired and so on, if that happens, uh, that Republicans ultimately will thank Marco Rubio uh, for having done that. It will open the door to uh, uh, their uh, uh, to Hispanic voters in a way the door isn't open now. And I think it's uh, America being a, a country of immigrants, it's the right thing to do anyway. But having said that, we're a long ways from that at the moment. And obviously, Marco Rubio's taken some real heat uh, uh, politically and uh, the kind of heat that makes him look like less of a contender in 2016. Fred Barnes, thanks so much for joining us on this Weekly Standard podcast. Please, please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.